Let us turn in God's word this evening to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1. It is my intention to begin preaching a series of sermons through the New Testament epistle of Paul to the Ephesians. We begin by looking this evening at Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6. Let's read this chapter together. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first tr- trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you, in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Thus far we read God's holy and inspired words. May God add his blessing upon the reading of his holy scriptures. The text for the sermon this evening is verses 4 through 6. According as he, God, hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, we should be holy and without blame before him. And love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the Beloved. Beloved congregation in the Lord Jesus Christ, we consider this evening a truth that is profound, a truth that is deep beyond human comprehension, a truth that is humbling. For there is nothing that we can do to change it. A truth that when rightly understood and when pressed upon our hearts and upon our souls leads us to cry out, how great thou art. The truth that we consider this evening is the truth of predestination. Sovereign, double predestination. God has chosen some people to be his people, and God has passed over other people who are not his people and who never will be his people. God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy and whom he will he hardeneth. This truth, perhaps like no other truth in the word of God, sets before us the reality that God is God. And there is no other God besides Him. And who are we to object or complain?
about the ways of God. If God has, in his good pleasure, fitted us to be a vessel of honor, appointed unto life everlasting, then all thanks, praise, and glory be unto God. And if God in his wisdom has fitted some to be a vessel of wrath, fitted to destruction, then who are we to reply unto him? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Romans 9, verse 20. May we this evening not only stand in awe of the greatness of our God, but may we, as we are led by his word through the operations of his spirit, be led also to derive comfort and consolation from this truth, that God is the God who chooses, who redeems, and who preserves his own. Let's consider the text this evening under the theme, God's choosing of us. First, let's consider the meaning of this text. God has chosen us. Second, the knowledge of it. And then third, the abiding comfort that we have from that knowledge. This text teaches us about the eternal decree of election. It speaks of election with two different words. First, the word chosen, and then the word predestinated. Verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him, that's in Christ, before the foundation of the world. And then verse 5 speaks of election as well, using the word predestinated, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. So what do we mean then when we speak of this decree of election? We're going to start with the concise statement and then add to that statement. The election is, first of all, a choice. It's a selection between two different options. We as rational, moral human beings make choices all of the time, sometimes even below the level of our consciousness. We make decisions. Some decisions that we make are of lesser importance, lesser significance. What clothing will I wear today? Other decisions that we make are far weightier significance. Whom will I date? Mary. Will my job be? Election is a, a choosing, but it's not man who chooses. Election is, now we're going to add to it, it's God's choice. According as He, speaking of God and the Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. It is the almighty, the independent, the unchanging I am that I am who chooses. And as God made this choice, this decree of election, God did so without any input from human beings. God did not consult with the creature to ask for his counsel or his wisdom, but God made this choice of himself. Isaiah 40, verses 13 and 14. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? And the answer to that list of rhetorical questions given there in Isaiah is no one. No one counseled God. No one instructed God as to whom he was to choose and whom he would not choose. Election. It's a choice. It's God's choice. Now third, it's God's choice of people. People. According as he hath chosen us. In him. Verse 5 Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Out of all of the races that would be found upon this earth, out of the descendants of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, out of the two genders that God created, Throughout all of the eras of history, God chose certain people to be His people. He chose these people not because of any merit in them. He chose these people not because they were stronger not because they were mightier, not because these people were holier people. There is nothing particular about the object of God's choosing. He chose. Election. Choice. God's choice. God's choosing of people And then as we alluded earlier, God's choosing of people to be His people. As God selected certain individuals, it was the determination of the Father that these people would be brought unto Him. Not because they were worthy of it, but only because of His grace. We see this come out in the text, this idea that there is movement where God calls these people unto Himself. Verse 4, He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame 
before Him. He chose us so that we would stand before Him. Verse 5, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ, where? To Himself. God in the decree of election determined that this and that and the next person would be brought powerfully and irresistibly unto Himself. They would come to know God. They would come to love God. They would come to have fellowship with God. Some of His elect people would know God from their youth, being born and raised in a covenant family. Others who were elect of God would come to know love and fellowship with God later on in life as God converted them and called them out of darkness and into His marvelous light. But regardless of the timing at which it happens, And regardless of the way in which it happens, always this is true of the elect, that they are chosen of God unto Himself. Election, then, we can say is fundamental. It's it's the basis to all of the blessings that we receive from God. It is because of God's decree of election that Jesus Christ was sent into this world in order to die for those whom were loved by the Father. It is because of the decree of election that there is a church. For the church consists of those who are chosen of God. It is because of the decree of election that we who are the children of God have hope of life everlasting. For we are confident that we who are chosen are going to be brought unto God and will stand before God even face to face with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, as God delivers us off of this earth. All of the blessings that we receive come because of this fundamental decree of election. According as He, God, have chosen us. Not the Arminian reversal. As we have chosen God. No. God chose us. This generally is the truth of election. Specifically, this text reveals unto us about election is that God in this eternal decree was choosing His family. Election, the doctrine of election is a uniquely covenantal truth. You see this come out in the way that the Apostle Paul speaks of election. Verse 5, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ 
to Himself. Predestinate. Predestinate means to decide beforehand, to foreordain something or someone to a special place. We might speak somewhat loosely using the word predestinate. If someone is put into a particular office, we say, well, it was predestinated that that was going to happen. Of course that was going to happen. But ultimately God is the one who predestinates, who knows ahead of time who puts someone in a special place. And to what is it that God has predestinated us? He's predestinated us into His family, into the adoption of children in Jesus Christ. As God in His eternal counsel considered all of the people who would walk upon this earth, of all of the different races, all of the different abilities and strengths, as well all of the different weaknesses and struggles that individuals would have upon this earth. God, in the decree of election, determined that these people, the elect, would be taken by God's fatherly hand into His own family. It's not because God needed a family. It's not because God was lonely, that He had no fellowship, that He was incomplete as God. And so then He needed to find others to bring to Himself in order that God would be complete. He already was complete. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So why then did God take certain people to be adopted as children in His family? The text tells us it's love. Love. Verse 4, the last two words in love more more properly belong at the beginning of the fifth verse. In love having predestinated us unto the adoption of children. It's because our God is the good, the gracious, the loving God determined that He would take certain people unworthy of it, of their own selves, sinful, fallen people that would rebel against Him. And yet in His love, He decided, you, and you, and you are going to be brought 
into my family. Some have charged those who maintain the doctrine of election as being cold, uncaring, lacking a zeal and a fervency for missions, evangelism. Oh, they use mocking words to speak of the doctrine of election. We'll call them the frozen chosen. People who don't care about living godly lifestyles. After all, if you're elect, then you may as well go live how you please. They charge you. But anyone who properly understands what the Bible teaches about the doctrine of election would never dare speak lightly of this decree of God. Not cold, not theoretical, not abstract, but concrete, real. God chose us in Jesus Christ. So the question then is, can we know it? Can we know if we belong to God's family? Can I know if before the foundations of the world God chose me to be His son, His daughter? That's the pressing question, you understand. A minister can speak about doctrine, the doctrine of election can explain what it means. But all of this has no implication for us if we don't understand the truth of it for ourselves personally. This is an important question. Can I know if I am chosen by God? It's a matter of heaven or hell. It's a matter of eternal life with God, standing before God, living in the warmth of fellowship with God, or it is a matter of being passed over by God. And if one is passed over by God, then that person is ordained unto everlasting condemnation then that individual has no hope, no assurance, no peace that passes understanding. And if it is the case that God, according to His own good pleasure, God made a sovereignly free, independent choice altogether apart from any input of man, 
then it means that I have no ability to change this decision of God. Either it is that God from before the foundations of the world has elected me to be his child, or it is the case that God has passed over me and having passed over me has reprobated me. There's no in-between. But every person head for head upon the face of this earth is either a child of God, elect, and appointed unto life everlasting, or is reprobate and appointed unto destruction. Can we know? And this is not only a weighty question for ourselves personally, but it's also a weighty question when we think of others. Is my wife elect? Is the wife's husband elect? My children, are they elect? Can I know? The lines of election and reprobation cut right through families. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Can we know? Thanks be to God, we can know. Our forefathers wrestled with This same question, can we know whether we are elect or not? And our forefathers in the canons of Dort, especially the first head of the canons, dealt with this very issue of the knowledge of our election. I would encourage you, perhaps even part of your devotional routine, read through the canons of Dort. Much comfort found in them. And the canons of Dort speak of how we may know our election. And the way in which we know is according to the fruits of election. That's how we know. This text speaks of that as well. In the second half of verse 4, God hath chosen us before the foundation of the world. Why? That we should be holy and without blame before Him. That's how we may know if we are chosen by God, if we observe within ourselves the fruits of election. We do not know whether we are elect or not by curiously inquiring into the secret counsel of God. We do not know whether we are elect or not by receiving some sort of a mystical revelation of God unto us. We do not know our election because God 
grants unto us the ability to scroll through the Lamb's book of life, and we scroll down and down until there we see our names written with the blood of Jesus Christ in that book. That's not how we know, but we are able to know our election by observing within ourselves the fruit of election. Are you holy? That we should be holy and without blame before him. You see, election is a living decree. It is a powerful decree. It is a decree that, as it is applied to the life of the believer, effects change on that individual. The person who is elected by God is transformed by God. God so works in that individual that, although that individual once was sinful and spotted and wrinkled and had no interest in the things of the kingdom of heaven, yet God works in that individual a transformation. He does so by the power of the justifying work of his son, Jesus Christ. God hath made us accepted in the beloved, verse 6 tells us, because of that work of Jesus Christ, as Jesus through his atoning death of the cross has paid for the sins of his people by that power of the forgiveness of our sins. The Christian then, chosen by God, delights to render unto God grateful returns of love unto God. Are you holy? To the one who is not holy. To the one who does not care about holiness. To the one who is glad to break the Sabbath day. To the one who will not read God's word. To the one who gives himself over to the lusts of the flesh drunkenness, fornication, stealing, adultery, to the one who has no remorse in his or her heart, to that individual who sees no evidence of the fruit of election, then that individual has no confidence that that individual is chosen by God. Are you holy? Do you desire to be holy? The question is not, are you perfectly holy? None of us is perfectly holy. The question is not, are you as holy as what you wish you were? For we all recognize there is need for growth. We have but a small beginning of the new obedience in Jesus Christ.
are you holy? Do you see within yourself a godly sorrow for sin, a hungering and a thirsting after righteousness? Do you desire to put away sin out of your life? Do you hate it? And pray for the strength to live a new and godly life. Do you confess your sins unto Jesus Christ and ask for the blood of the sacrificial lamb to be given you? We all confess that we lack the fervency that we ought to have for piety. There are times where we have but a flickering flame within our hearts. But the comfort we have from the Word of God is that the smoking flax He will not quench. Are you holy? Do you desire to be holy? And as the Christian answers with the affirmative, yes, strengthened by the grace of God, my sins covered with the blood of the Lamb, I am holy. Then the Christian is given to know that I am chosen of God. What abiding comfort we have from the knowledge of this truth. The comfort that we have is this knowledge that I am indeed chosen by God. I am loved by God. I am made to be a part of God's family. I belong to God's family today, and I will belong to God's family tomorrow. What assurance and what comfort that gives to us in the midst of an ever-changing world. How many things there are on this earth over which we have no control, and which would lead us to doubt, to fear, anxiety? What's the future of the church? What's the future of my family? But in the midst of all of those things that are constantly fluctuating on this earth, the sure, the steadfast, the unchanging truth that the Christian has within his heart I am chosen by God. I am confident that regardless of what happens to me, regardless of what happens in the future, I am and I always will belong unto God. What consolation is afforded to the lonely to the widows and widowers, to those who yearn for marriage, but who have not been given 
that gift. I am chosen by God, loved from before the foundations of the world. What comfort we have as parents, especially now parents who have lost children in pregnancy or as a young child. Our fathers, our spiritual fathers in the canons of Dort spoke to this very reality. Canons of Dort had one, Article 17, godly parents have no reason to doubt of the election and salvation of their children whom it pleaseth God to call out of this life in their infancy. How do we respond then to this truth of election? but by praising God. We live, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. The knowledge of election does not lead to self-centeredness, The knowledge of election does not lead to any sort of pride or arrogancy as if we in any way made ourselves to differ from the world. When did God choose you? Before the foundations of the world. Before you were even alive, God chose you. What room is there then for boasting on our behalf? But he who glories, let him glory in this fact, that God is God, and that God is the one who has chosen his people to be everlasting members in his family. Ultimately, election is not about you and it's not about me, but election is about God. God will have mercy upon whom he will have mercy, and whom he will, he hardeneth. Let us bow down before him. Let us be still and know that he is God, and let us live to the glory of his praise. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father and our God in heaven, it is only of grace, thy grace, that we are saved, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Wilt thou fill us with thy Holy Spirit, who is the one who bears witness 
with us. May he apply to us the blessings earned by the captain of our salvation, Jesus Christ. Let the bless and keep us in the week that is ahead of us. For Jesus' sake we pray this. Amen.